Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 157. I'm Art Regner. As always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, or even during a pandemic. What better way to wrap up your day with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? But we do ask that you drink our premium Canadian beer responsibly. With that said, let's bring in our guest, no stranger to the podcast. He is the head coach of the Toledo Walleye. It is Dan Watson. And Dan, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on once again, Art. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I I, I would imagine since the Walleye canceled their season, uh, what have you been up to? What has life been like for Dan Watson? Well, you know what? It's actually, and people probably think that, uh, you know, the, the coaches that aren't coaching this year aren't really doing much. And, and to be honest with you, it's it's back to spending multiple and, and several hours in front of a computer screen and, and watching tons of video. Um, you know, we, we had uh, 16 players who have re-signed with other teams uh, for the remainder of the season. So we do get their rights back for next year. So it's important for myself and staff that we continue to monitor these guys, see how they're playing, see how their development is progressing, uh, so that we're even more familiar with them when they walk in our locker room next season. And that's our hope, is that we can sign all these guys again. Uh, we felt we had a really, really strong team put together for this upcoming season. Uh, obviously, it wasn't meant to be, but uh, you know we have to make sure that we keep strong tabs on them. And then obviously with the NHL playing now, the American League getting ready to start, uh, all the European leagues that have had been playing, uh, multiple, multiple hours tagging games and, and watching video. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you about those 16 players because I know that there are several walleye. Uh, their contracts don't carry over if they were on one-year deals. However, you retain their rights. Is that how it works out? Exactly. So you, you will retain their rights uh, depending on what the dates look like. It, it's typically uh, June 15th. And then from there, uh, you can qualify eight out of those players. Um, and, and by then, you've got your team. So it, it's one of those things where we had uh, 22 guys signed. There's still six players out there looking for jobs. Um, but we're proud of the fact that we got 16 guys playing, especially this time of year, and with the, the magnitude and scope of, of how many real good hockey players are still out there waiting for a job. So um, it, it's going to be great to monitor these guys, and, and hopefully we can get them all back in a walleye uniform for next season. Well, you, you know, Dad, I mean, isn't that kind of a testament to you, the whole scouting staff, the GM and everybody, that you have so many players? I mean, that. That in a way must I, I not that you need reinforcement that you're doing a good job. I'm just saying that you know, hey, we're, we've got to be on point if we have 16 players playing elsewhere. It is. I think I think it's a testament to the players too. We try to recruit guys with with great character, uh, smart individuals, smart guys on the ice, and then you know we we build from there. So um, you know, if a coach were to call one of these young men on our roster they're going to be impressed right away when they when they start asking the questions on the phone and how they present themselves um, and that's what we try to do we try to find professionals who care about the game who care about their their own development uh, are in it for the right reasons and i think uh, you know once they started getting re recruited from these coaches uh, i think it's a no-brainer to bring these kids in when i i look at it i i know that Toledo wanted to play this season, and I know several teams uh, in the ECHL opted out like almost right away, but uh, Toledo waited a little bit until they decided that, yes, we're going to you know, you know, suspend this season. Um, how difficult was it to make that decision, especially when you have such a rabid fan base? 
Well, very, very tough. Uh, it was a tough day for our front office staff, the players, the coaching staff, uh, people that work inside the arena that, that love to come and, and cheer on the walleye and, and interact with the fans. So it wasn't even just the, the 22 players and, and everyone inside the, the uh, uh, locker room. It's everyone that's involved in the program. And uh, the decision didn't come lightly. I think we needed that extension. Uh, we're collecting as much information as we could. We felt November, December, there was a lot of positivity and, and change in the way maybe uh, things were, were going to open up a little bit more, and they just didn't. And unfortunately, uh, we're only allowed to have 300 people in our building, and there isn't one single ECHL team that could operate with only 300 people in the building. Every team that's, that's operating right now is allowed to have way more than that, at least triple, if not more. Um, and, and so 300 people in the building, if you're, if you're a businessman, I don't think it takes long to figure out uh, the total amount of losses that you would have. I think every team understands that they're going to they're gonna take losses this year. That's just a matter of fact. Um, but, but being owned by a county, not by a single owner, uh, you know, some tough decisions had to be made. When, when, when the decision is made uh, at that point now, and I think we should probably explain it at this point, uh, you, are, you are affiliated with the Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins. I think you probably have more of a working relationship, obviously, with Grand Rapids than you do Detroit, but... Did you talk to them at all? Were they, you know, did you, you know, uh, keep them abreast of the situation? Because I, I, I would almost think if the AHL was going to suspend this season and Grand Rapids is going to start in February, but uh, that maybe Toledo could have been an option of if you guys were operating of maybe taking some of the players and, and, and having them, you know, work, become walleye, I guess. Yeah, it would have been a great option for sure. Uh, and I think, yes, Ryan Martin, uh, our team president, Joe Napoli, our general manager, Neil Newcomb, we're having conversations uh, every other week just to keep them abreast of what's going on in, in the ECHL, the landscape, what's going on in Toledo uh, with the government in Ohio, what's going on in Michigan with Grand Rapids. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of conversations throughout the summer uh, leading right up into the new year of, of what this is going to look like. And, and you know, obviously I think there were some, some good plans, some big plans, maybe to get some players down to Toledo to develop them. Um, but obviously with us playing, uh, you know, they're all going to be in Grand Rapids this year. Right, yeah, certainly it, it, it certainly looks that way. I mean, you know, let's be honest, Danny. I, I like to say we're all living second by second right now, so everything, everything could change uh, on a dime. So. No, that's right. If you if you can get to the next day, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I like your thinking, y'all. I, I want to go back to last season, to the 2019-20 uh, uh, season. Uh, you know, the Walleye, uh, you had four games at hand to the Cincinnati Cyclones. Uh, they have 84 points. You have 79. In your 59 games played last year, 37-17-4-1. and one. Uh, As usual, it looks like the Walleye are beginning to hit their stride. Can you take us back? when everything was really, really up in the air. Nobody knew exactly what was going on. When the season was paused, did you think that we will come back, we won't come back? Uh, how did that all play out? Yeah, it was it was uh, an interesting week leading up to that. I mean, we were cruising along. We were 8-2 and two in our last 10, beating, beating our division rivals and opponents. Um, you know, we made some big-time trades uh, to, to bring some veteran players in here. 
uh, and actually a couple of young guys as well, just to make sure we had a strong team heading into the Kelly Cup playoffs. And all of a sudden, uh, it was a Wednesday, uh, we got a call from the team president saying, you know, the governor just said no, no fans basically that night. Do you still want to play the game? We're, we're playing Cincinnati. So we felt that they're already in the building or at least on their way. Let's play. So we did that. And basically the next afternoon was when we got the call saying the league was going to be suspended. Um, and we didn't know for how long. So guys just they hung around Toledo, uh, weren't sure what exactly was going to happen. Um, and, and from there, uh, our guys just, they waited around till Sunday we played Wednesday. It was now Sunday, and then it was it was time to take off. So we had our year-end meetings on that Sunday morning, um, and then basically by Sunday night they they left and they again travel issues. Guys became nervous about crossing the border, so all the Canadians they're basically you know into into Canada by Monday or Tuesday of that week. So we played Wednesday night, and by Monday uh, it was a ghost town here in Toledo in terms of who was at the arena, who was allowed to come to the arena. Um, you know, all the logistical things started to shut down. What, what what do you do? Do you try to reassure these guys, or I, you're so up in the air too? I mean, what what kind of interaction can you have with them? I mean, they're young for the most part. They're hockey players. They want to play. Obviously, you want to coach them. You're a player yourself. I, I mean, how was that whole dynamic? It was tough. I think uh, everyone sitting in the locker room knew the the type of team we had. Um, as a coaching staff, being in the finals the year before, we knew what type of team we had. And so I think there was a lot of disappointment early on. And so it was just sort of trying to reassure them that uh, we still would love to have them in Toledo and, and continue to build this, this uh, organization up. And we wanted them to be a part of it for the following season, not to worry about that aspect of it. Um, I think they're, they're really worried about obviously uh, getting paid what they do now. They're expected to be in Toledo at least until April, May, and, and hopefully into June in the finals. Uh, so, you know, now, now they're worried about that and, and what they need to do. So there was a lot of uncertainty, and I think that is the, the toughest part about all this, this COVID it is the uncertainty for everybody. When I, you know, when I look at it, and I've been reading some, you know, some stories, almost like horror stories, to be honest with you, about the plight of the, uh, of the minor league professional player, that if things are prorated, you know, everyone's taking losses, that, you know, that this is really right now a real struggle not only for minor league franchises, shall we say, but for the players themselves because they rely on this as their job. Yet, even if they're playing, it doesn't seem like there's enough revenue to even support themselves. Is, is that a fair statement? I would say so. I would say definitely in minor leagues, that, that's, a, that's a very, very fair statement. I think you want to talk about that, that whole quote of uh, for love of the game, playing for love of the game. They're doing that this season. Um, and that just, showed, that just shows how much these guys care about their development, about the, the sport, about the game. Um, and, and, you know, they're looking at uh, greener pastures hopefully come next season, which I, I, think, I think there will be fans in the building. I think it will be better come October, especially in the ECHL. But these guys are, are really playing to continue that development and, and you know, Again, it's one of those business models, and no pro team this year will make money. And so uh, they're going to feel it as players. They're going to feel it as owners and fans and everyone everyone involved. The one thing I always say is that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, the Red Wings, uh, the Griffins, and the Walleye are 
three of the uh, top organizations in all of professional sport, I'm sure you're trying to do as much as you can to help players out or to give them guidance. Yet, as you said, this is just such a an uncertain time. I, I really wonder what's really tangible, what you can really do to help these guys out, except reassure them and stay in contact with them. Yeah, that was the biggest thing, is making sure any information that was passed down from the commissioner of our league or the, the hockey ops side of our league, I would try to pass on to the players during the summer as much as I could. Uh, a lot of that stuff was confidential that had to be kept quiet for a period of time. Um, but I know that the union was in touch with the players as well, trying to keep them abreast of what was going on, what was, you know, what was the latest. Um, but again, you look at our league, there's so many teams and in the American League, the NHL, all over the map, but you're trying to deal with the local govern the government. And, and uh, so I was trying to keep everyone up to date of what was going on in Ohio each month or every time that there was something new going out, all the different guidelines that you wake up one day, it's this, the next day there's a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. So it's, wow. uh, it, it was just trying to keep up with that and, and give them the information that they needed to make the best decisions for themselves. Did you have a hotline, what, to uh, to the governor in Columbus there? Hey, it's Watson again. Like, What the hell's going on? Oh, crazy. <laughs> it's a, you know what? It's a good thing. He, he, he had a, uh, when this first started back in March, April, May, June, he would come on every day. And then it became once a week and then once every couple weeks. And then, and then only when he had some information to share. So it was staying up with the website, staying up with all that kind of stuff, just to, just to see where everything was at. But it, uh, again, like we mentioned, it's, it can change day by day. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's so odd because I, I know during that, uh, you know, Michigan and Ohio, obviously they border one another and there's a great rivalry between the states. But it, it just seemed that, you know, <laughs> Ohio's doing one thing, Michigan's doing another, Illinois is doing their thing, Indiana's doing their thing. I mean, I, I would imagine at times, Dan, that your head had to be spinning what was going on. Well, it was, and it still is, because I think <laughs> as, as the decision got closer and closer and the league started playing games, I think the players that we had signed were, were looking at saying, well, Florida's wide open, they're playing games, why aren't we playing? And, you know... It, if you're not well versed or you haven't been following it, it, it really is state by state. And so, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of the South states are opening up to a certain capacity um, and the Northern states just aren't. And then that's just reality right now. So it is frustrating. Uh, I had a lot of notes written down about uh, CDC guidelines and, you know, all the, the testing protocols, what this all looked like heading into this season. Um, but obviously uh, don't need those notes anymore. Well, you know, I, I, I saw, I, so are you or are you not on a first name basis with uh, Mike DeWine, the uh, governor of Ohio? No, not yet. I think uh, <laughs> we we probably have about three guys in our front office that, that know him by Mike at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh, moving on. So you're now in a mode after the season, not only is paused and canceled, you have a really good team. Uh, you know, you're putting together your roster. Uh, and, 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 you know, and I know, you, you know, Ryan Martin is always recommending players for Toledo. There's some guys that are, are Griffin and Walleye who move up and down the, uh, uh, the, the chain there. Uh, uh, but, but what I'm curious about is, is that so even though it's uncertain, you approach the summer as if there's going to be hockey this coming season. Yeah, I mean, all indications from our league. 
uh, from the state, from the team president, Wally organization, general manager, all the way down. The message was build a team like we are going to play in October. Um, and so that was my whole goal from, you know, two days after we ended the season in March, I started making phone calls to some NCAA seniors, uh, some some major junior kids who were eligible to play pro. And I just started building a team right from that day all the way. I think we signed our last player in December. Um, so it was, it was a long process. Uh, I guess the time off allowed allowed myself to do even more background checks to make sure we had the right individuals in the locker room. Uh, but yeah, that was the whole message, build a team ready to compete for the 2021 season. And that's what we did. And, and uh, we did it in the off ice staff. They were getting prepared to, to play as, or to, you know, for us to play as well, getting everything ready on that side of things. So it was a full go all the way through until we made that announcement. Yeah, I, I, what I guess I, 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 I do find what I'm kind of curious about, you have 16 players right now that are either playing in Europe or in leagues here in North America. Uh, and they, they're under contract to you. So when they want to play for these other teams, and I'm sure you want them to play because they are players and it only benefits the walleye in the, uh, in the long run if, if they come back to the walleye, I guess. But I guess my point being is, is that do they call you up? Do they say, hey, Dan, look, I've got a, you know, an opportunity to play in Germany. Uh, what do you think? Do they have to get permission or were they pretty much free agents and on their own? Yeah, once we made that decision on the 4th of January to uh, take the leave of absence this year, they all became free agents. Okay. So at that point in time, it really was on the phone, getting their agents involved, getting themselves involved, uh, and trying to find each person a place to play. And we did have one guy go over to Sweden, Brett Boeing, and then everyone else is staying in North America in mm -hmm. the ECHL. So. Uh, I'm excited to see these guys play. I, I think it's important that they continue to play uh, rather than take an entire season off, especially at this level. And so uh, we'll be monitoring them uh, on video and through some text messages, things like that, just to make sure they're doing okay. And if they need any help, what, what we can help them with uh, as much as we can. You know, Dan, uh, during training camp and development camp, uh, you and Andy Delmore, the, the Toledo staff are are part of it. They're they're integrated right in along with uh, uh, with Ben Simon and and the Grand Rapids staff, and then obviously Jeff Blaschel and his Red Wings staff. Uh, that did not happen this year. Uh, how tough was that for you? You know, to not to not be on the ice. And I mean, you I I, I would imagine, except for maybe recreation or or you know hanging with your kids or something, that uh, uh, you haven't been on the ice that much. I would imagine. No, no. The ice time I get right now is with my four-year-old son, Max. You know, he's learning to skate and pushing a seal around the ice. And, and uh, you know, he's learning to skate on his own. So uh, I'm out there helping with him. And, and that's basically the only ice time I get. Uh, I did uh, show a, a power, play, power play presentation to a high school team. Uh, you know, and that's really the only presentations I've given too. So a lot of Zoom calls and things like that where you talk hockey, I think that's important to, to stay, still stay relevant. But missing those development camps, missing training camp, uh, things like that, not only is that a development aspect for players, it is for the coaches as well. Uh, you know, being back in the coach's office, listening to Jeff and his staff, Ben and his staff communicate, how they communicate, the things they talk about, the way they see the game, it's really, really interesting for us as, as a walleye staff and allows us to grow. So as much as the players miss those development uh, opportunities, we as coaches miss those as well this year. 
you know, when I look at it and I see, you know, the proximity uh, that Toledo and Grand Rapids are to Detroit, this is a very happy, um, you know, for lack of a better term, a very happy marriage. This is a, a very good situation for all three franchises involved. It is, it is. And, and number one, I, I think if you look around our league, uh, I'm extremely grateful to be, to be you know, a part of uh, the Red Wings organization and, and allowed to be back behind the scenes with Jeff and his staff, Ben with his staff, how open and honest they are uh, with their communication and sharing of, their, of all their things that they have compiled over the years of coaching. And so, you know, very grateful that it is that close so we, and we are a part of it. We're on the ice at certain times. We can come uh, to games if we have that time as well. You know, I've been to Grand Rapids more than I have been to Detroit just to see the players play. But um, just whenever we're around, it's, hey, come on in. Here's what we're doing. Uh, you know, everything's a, an open book with them. And, and we certainly appreciate that down here in Toledo because it certainly helps us develop as coaches down here to, to you know, hopefully rise in the ranks and, and make the players they have down here better. Right. Well, the interesting thing is, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think at any one time, uh, the walleye can have, what is it, six or seven Red Wing prospects on their roster? Yeah, and, and I would say that's a good average. I think, uh, you know, anywhere from five to seven, four to seven would be that range. Um, and, and really, I think the Newfoundland Growlers, who we lost to in the finals, they had, they had some NHL and American League contracted players down there. Um, and, and at one point in time, they had 16 players. So there's, wow. a, there's a wide range. I think, I think Detroit and Grand Rapids do a great job of not, um, you know, I, I think it allows me the flexibility to still have players I like on ECHL contracts, but also give their prospects tons of playing time down here to get better. You know, we've talked about this before, but when a player goes down to, to, to the walleye, and I would imagine depending on what organization they're in or what stories they've heard, they look at the ECHL and they think, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm one step, you know, one foot out the door, so to speak. Uh, yet that is not that is not what the walleye are. That's not how you approach this. And I'm, I'm curious now when I look over, do you just say, look no further than Peter Morazak or, uh, you know, Luke Lundenny? You know yeah. I mean, there, there, there's opportunity here. No, there is. We added we added an NHL wall uh, to our locker room, the players' lounge. So the players, when they walk in, they can see all the the guys that have that have worn a walleye jersey that have played in the NHL. And and over our ten or eleven years here, we're up to twenty two players and a coach. Um, and I think that's important for those guys to see that it's not a it's not a, a death sentence to come down here. It's not a punishment to be sent to Toledo. It's an opportunity to to play big minutes, to touch the puck again, gain that confidence. Uh, maybe learn to be a pro, maybe learn to play a, a pro-style game in an environment that's positive, in an environment that, that breeds and, and teaches you uh, how to play the game the right way. That's how we feel. Um, so that when they do get that opportunity to go to Grand Rapids, uh, you know, they're ready to go. And when they get inserted into the lineup, you know, Ben and his staff can trust them that they're going to do things the right way. And that's really what it boils down to is getting them the ice time that maybe they aren't getting uh, so they feel that uh, you know, their development curve is still progressing versus going backwards. Well, the one thing I've always liked about uh, about the walleye or the ECHL, which used to be the East, East Coast Hockey League, but they just switched to the initials a few years ago. So uh, uh, for, for all of you that are wondering, well, what happened to the East Coast League? This is the East Coast League, but 
they're just the ECHL now. Yeah, you know, I uh, updating the fans here, Dan, for those that don't know what. Uh, but uh, but with all that said, what what, what I really want to, uh, uh, to 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 ask you is is that when you have players, you can only have what ten forwards on your roster, so. I would imagine when they come to Toledo, you're telling them that the opportunity for them is great because especially forwards and, and defensemen, for that matter, everybody's going to play in every situation. No, exactly. And and I think, Art, it would be funny if you interviewed a guy on Sunday night after he played a 3-3 three and three with a little bit of travel, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with 10 forwards, what his answer would be Sunday night. Uh, you know, they, they walk out of this arena looking like they just went 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. So uh, that, that first weekend's an eye-opener, that's for sure. And, and again, like you mentioned, they're playing big-time five-on-five minutes against other teams' top players. They're, they're typically on one of our two power play units, and they're getting some penalty kill time. So their ice time, they're logging well over 20 minutes, if not 23 to 25 and you do that over three straight nights with maybe a home game then we have to travel to fort wayne cincinnati come back for an afternoon sunday game they've just played three games in three days playing a ton of minutes a ton of hockey and and a lot of times they aren't used to doing that so it takes that conditioning a little bit but you want to talk about opportunity a lot of the guys that have been sent down from grand rapids have certainly jumped through those hoops open up that window and they haven't looked back and and you know that's that's the best thing about coaching is to see these guys take that opportunity run with it get back up to grand rapids and they don't come back down here and selfishly i'd love for them to all come back down because that means we're gonna have a really good team but it is all about the players and and uh and you know what we can do to help them the best to to get to the highest level possible make the most money possible and, and get the most out of their career but you have put together a very, very good team. I mean, your coaching record is is absolutely outstanding. Uh, uh, the the difficulty, I, I guess, posing for you is even though Ryan Martin recommends players, and you you know guys are being shuffled between for the most part Grand Rapids and uh, and, and Toledo. But you are it's almost a constant search for players for you. And I think you were the one who told me a story. It might have. It, it, uh, that you were in a team was in like a team was in Iowa or something and they got a guy that was called up and then they had to search for like a you know, like a really minor league team that you know a league that maybe no one's heard of I mean do you do you, I, are you, I guess what I'm trying to ask you uh, Dan is are you constantly in a uh, uh, in a search for players no matter what so even though we're in an uncertain time in a strange sense, you're pretty much in a pattern because you're always in this pattern looking for talent. You know, we are, we are. And, and especially in our league, I mean, we've, we've had guys called three guys called up after a morning skate and now all of a sudden we're shorthanded. You've got to have players uh, on a list ready to go at all times and, and know what they bring to the table too. So uh, whether it's a Southern professional hockey league, which is one league below us, whether it's another ECHL team that has players on waivers or, you know, they've had them maybe up for trade. Uh, if you can create something and, and, and have someone available to you right away, that's what we want to make sure we do. So um, scouting talent is a never-ending process for us, and it, it doesn't end. And uh, we watch a ton of, ton of games during the season that's not even – uh, pertains to the walleye or the ECHL just because we want to make sure that we're ready and, and the guys put so much effort into to, you know play winning hockey playing a good brand of hockey 
um, developing as much as they can. That we don't want to let them down as a staff. That because three guys get called up, we're going to force them to play shorthanded. And now all of a sudden, you know, things can get ugly if you're playing shorthanded three and three, four and right, five, things right. like that. So it's our job to backfill those spots with the best players possible to to keep the train rolling. When uh, when I look at the whole environment down in Toledo. Uh, I I, I, I want to go back quickly to the, the 16 players that are playing elsewhere that are were under contract to you, but when the season was uh, was suspended, um, became uh, became free agents. And I know you're watching video and doing all kinds of things. Do you stay in contact with them? Do they call you? Do you try? Are you still coaching them to a certain degree? No, I'm not coaching them. I think they're now in an environment where you know it's best of the coach who has them. Uh, works their magic with them at this point. Um, it, it, for me, it's evaluating where they're playing. Maybe, maybe that coach has them playing somewhere different that works better than what I had, or you know, just seeing the things that I knew they had to work on. Are they working on those things to to make their game better? Uh, which I hope they are. But it, there's only been a few text messages, text messages back and forth between a couple players. Um, you know, hey, great job tonight, or you know, nice game winner last night. Just little things like that. Uh, I don't want to get in their way. I don't think the league would really appreciate it, or the the teams that they're playing for would really appreciate it if I'm saying, hey, next time you need to be harder on that forecheck, or <laughs> or things like that. There's too many mixed messages as well for the players. So I let them go and focus on the team that they're with and and helping that team win for this season. Uh, and hopefully they get better as players so that next year when we get their rights back, you know, they're going to be a better player than what we signed even this past season. Right. I, I would imagine maybe if a player reached out to you, you might talk to them. But uh, but the, even that conversation, you could only go so far because, as you said, you don't want to really interfere with uh, with a guy that, you know, a, a fellow coach like yourself, whom I'm sure you respect. No, exactly. And I do respect all the coaches in this league and, and how they operate. And it, our league, in terms of coaching, has certainly come leaps and bounds from, from 10 years ago to five years ago to the, to the young group of coaches we have now. Even the veteran coaches are, have been around a long time but are continuing to win. Uh, they've been up to the American League. Now they've found their way back to our league for some reason. So I trust them. I respect how they operate, uh, especially in, in these uncertain times. It's a really, really good brand of hockey in the ECHL right now with with the with the talent that's down at this level. Uh, the environment down at the Huntington Center there in Toledo. I've been there. I've been there for playoff games. I've I've seen regular season games there. Is almost second to none. Uh, Toledo is an old hockey city. There have been several different uh, teams that have. Uh, have worn the Toledo name uh, on their jersey. Yet, why do you think the walleye has, you know, I, I, I believe year in and year out, you're considered the best uh, franchise in the ECHL. You're going to have another uh, next year, uh, next December, I think it is, another outdoor game. I, uh, why does it work so well in Toledo? Uh, I think uh, a short answer for that is our front office staff. They've done an unbelievable job of turning the walleye into, um, you know, a place that everybody wants to come to in the wintertime to watch a game. It's, it's an unbelievable, like you said, it's an unbelievable environment. Uh, you know, it's a place to catch up with old friends. It's a place to watch a good brand of hockey. Uh, and then our fans, our fans, they're, they're extremely passionate. They understand the game. 
Uh, they know what's going on. They, they know when we lose. They know when we win. And we're going to hear about it either way. Uh, so the standards and expectations uh, are, are set now to an all-time high that if we don't win, it's a failure. It, it's a bad season. So um, that's, that's what sort of happened over these, these 10, 11 seasons is we went from a team that what are we going to get to they better be champions or it was an unsuccessful season is what the kind of mindset is now. But uh, our front office, they, they work their tails off. Uh, the marketing department, the ticketing department, the group sales department, uh, merchandise department, our president and GM, uh, right through our hockey staff, including my staff. And, and then it comes down to the players putting a really good product on the ice as well. So you, you take all of that into one and you get uh, a rock in Huntington Center on any given night, on, on whether it's regular season or, like you said, playoffs. It is a really, really fun place to be. You know, what I like about Toledo, too, is the way that they've done it, much like maybe here in Detroit, every, you know, Fifth Third Bank, uh, the Huntington Center, everything's kind of there and you know and i think that that just creates uh not only a great sports environment but a great sense of community too it, it is and and you know i i know there's a ton of businesses right now that are hurting because the toledo walleye are not playing and if you come down on a friday or saturday night even a sunday afternoon game uh monroe street is buzzing and that's that's the road with all the restaurants on it uh, you get into april you know, it's it's buzzing as well so uh, I think that uh, we've created a monster down here. Downtown has certainly um, uh, grown leaps and bounds since I played here in 06, 07. And, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the city certainly enjoys their, their hockey and baseball here. You know, Dan, I, I, I want to get into a little bit of, of what you've seen for the Red Wings or maybe some of the prospects that you've been on the ice with at development camp and uh, in the uh, in uh, uh, development camp and training camp. Pardon me. But uh, let's let's look into the future. I would imagine from this point on is uh, you're going to you know, you're you're looking at it as next October. The walleye are hitting the ice. It's going to be a regular season until somebody tells me differently. That's exactly the mindset. Um, you know, we're going to build a team. Uh, as soon as we know who's going to be coming back from last year's team, we're going to continue to build a team around uh, having a, a, a chance to win a championship. Like you mentioned already, Winterfest will be held in an outdoor atmosphere over at Fifth Third Field. We have two games over there. Uh, I know the last time we did it, it was outstanding. It was a a lot of fun to be around, a lot of fun to be a part of, much like the outdoor games in the NHL. So uh, looking forward to that, and there's players that want to be a part of that too. So I think we have something special here, and I would say a lot of players want to come here. It's finding the right ones, and that's sort of up to us as a, as a hockey staff to, to do our homework, do our due diligence, make a lot of phone calls, and, and put together the best product and the best group of players we can to create a team that's, that uh, can be there at the end. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, I'm kind of curious with the Red Wings and Steve acquiring so many draft picks the last couple of years, and some of these guys are going to be in Grand Rapids, and some of these guys are, are going to find their way to Toledo as well. Uh, do you look at when the Red Wings draft and figure, wow, this could be a potential walleye, that our roster, not only from the talent that we procure, because you're a great uh, a source of doing it, and as I said, I know Ryan Martin uh, recommends players uh, 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 to you as well, but I, I mean, do you look at it and say, wow, you know, even though Detroit's in this rebuild in a strange sense, and this is an odd question, Dan, I'll be the first to admit it, <laughs> we're, 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 you know, we're going to be better too. 
Yes. Yeah, and I, I you know what? I think uh, going back to the, all the draft picks and everything, and uh, I'd be the first person to tell you that I hope I don't ever see any of those guys because that means they hit on every single one of them. Right. And they're all playing in Grand Rapids or Detroit. And, and so, you know, for me, uh, when I'm looking, it, it'll be – it won't be until June, July, maybe a little bit before that, depending on, on what the next year's landscape looks like is when Ryan Martin will, will really sit down and say, hey, these guys are potential players for you unless there's an injury, unless there's another trade, unless there's something else would have to happen. Uh, if we have a full roster in Detroit Grand Rapids, it may look like these four to seven players you may get at some point in time, be prepared for that. So. All known names usually midsummer, especially after development camp, heading into that rookie tournament uh, in Traverse City, which is always great to get to. Um, by then, I would know exactly who I should be getting down uh, from the affiliation, and and then I go from there. But I try to build a team of ECHL contracted guys, and then as those players filter down, whether I have to release them or have a tough conversation with with one of my own guys that's what has to happen and that's the way you know our league kind of works well uh you know once uh and hopefully grand rapids and it's still all systems go we're doing this on uh uh tuesday afternoon the 26th of january so uh it appears the ahl is going to begin i believe toledo's release of schedule i think it's february 5th will you have much interaction with Grand Rapids, will you be watching them closely again because you know that maybe eventually uh, you might be coaching some of these fellows yourself? Yeah, no, my my intention is to watch every single game uh, and, and break it down and, and look at individuals, um, guys who could potentially fall to our league, guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents, guys who are on American League deals that could be expiring the following season, just to make sure I'm familiar with their game. Also, be in contact with Ben and his staff regarding any new systems that they're going to run, things that they're implementing. Um, you know, one big thing that we try to do down in here in Toledo is is uh, really, really get to know these guys inside and out. And we've done a good job with a local company here that, that provides us with some information. I've got some information on those guys in Grand Rapids as well, some of those players, and, and hopefully can help Ben and his staff in that regards. But uh, I'm excited for, for Grand Rapids to get going because they are going to have some, some young talent there, and I'm excited to see how they do. Uh, I, I want to um, uh, get your opinion. As we said, uh, we're doing this on the on the 26th of January. Uh, Red Wings right now have uh, uh, are two and four on the young season. They're about to start a, a series in Dallas. Many of you, when you're listening to this podcast, they probably would have played at least one, if not both, of those games, and then cut head back for a weekend series against the Florida Panthers. But uh, any thoughts right now on what you have seen from this Red Wing team? Yeah, I've watched basically every every game, uh, every minute uh, of their games. I was impressed with their first four games. I thought that they they competed extremely hard. Um, I mean, the last two in Chicago, those are probably some t- some tough games. I know they had some spurts in there that were good and some spurts that weren't so good. Uh, I think it's just trying to to maintain that compete level every night and be consistent with that. I know Blash is preaching that. Um, that's that's one way to get better. I mean. You can make guys work hard by practicing them hard and lining them up, but what you really want to see that's inside is that compete level. So I think as long as those guys continue to compete, they they will be a dangerous team. They will have the ability to win more games than they did last year, and, and hopefully these young guys progress and take that next step. I think that's what they're looking for.
Right, certainly. Uh, uh, if you look at it, Dylan Larkin, 24 years old, finally gets the, the C. I don't know how much interaction you have with you have had with Dylan, uh, but being, you know, playing in this area and being from, from the, not exactly, but being in Toledo for a number of years now, um, it, it, I, I guess he's, I, I think he's ready, but he has a tendency maybe, I think, to, to press a little bit, but he seems to be settled down. Uh, obviously a, a, a great move. Uh, do you have any kind of relationship with Dylan? What can you tell us about him? Not a big one. I mean, I've had a few conversations, especially in his younger days and, and when I was around some of the, the younger group uh, when I'm put in those NHL camps or American League type situations. But um, looking at afar, you know, number one, he's got one of the best mentors in Steve Eisman you can probably have as a captain. And everyone knows that in that area. Um, another thing, too, is he's going to be playing for Detroit. He, he probably loves that organization. I'm sure he does growing up in that area. So I've done it here before. We've had local kids be leaders, and now they're not only leaders within their within uh, the locker room, they're also leaders within the community, and that helps out tremendously as well, how they're viewed, how they're looked upon. Um, but Dylan just has to remember it, it's a team game, and, and he has to go out there and, and do what he can to help that team, which he does. And I enjoy watching him play. I enjoy watching him get up and down that ice with the speed and pace that he plays at. And, and uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, that, that C on his jersey is a testament to him and how hard he's worked and how far he's come in his, his young career. Uh, I, I want to, a couple of other players uh, that I know you've been on the ice with, and, and, and obviously this has been at development camp and, and at training camp, but Michael Rasmussen has uh, w learned the center position last year in Grand Rapids. Uh, uh, what is your assessment of Michael? Well, he's obviously his size and his his strength has got to be number one. Um, you know, he, he's out there and he's he's learned that position last year in Grand Rapids. I knew they moved him to that position to, to learn that and be a little more versatile within his game. Uh, he's a smart kid and, and, you know, if he's moving his feet and he's involved physically, you know, he's, he's going to be a, a, a force to reckon with. And so, again, he's still learning probably the, the way that he needs to play down the middle, especially it's a tough position to play. Uh, but I know that uh, it's one that he'll continue to learn at every day. They'll work with him. Um, but I love his size, his net front presence when he's moving his feet and he's getting in on the forecheck and he's physical. He's supporting the puck all over the place. He's a real, real good player. You know, uh, you know, a guy that surprised me last year, and I remember talking to Sean Horkoff, uh, uh, he, he, it was his first season in North America. The Red Wings called him up, and he really didn't look out of place. He's now on the Red Wing taxi squad. Uh, is a guy like Gus Lindstrom. I mean, he just seems to be quiet, calm, cool, collected. I guess your typical Swede there, Dan. Well, you just named a good defenseman right there. Cool, calm, quiet, collected, steady, uh, can eat minutes, can play in, in several different uh, uh, capacities. Um, you know, he's smart. He skates, he skates well. And that's what you want in a young defenseman. If they've got all that, especially that poise where there's any type of pressure, he doesn't crack. You know, he doesn't uh, turn pucks over at crucial times. You know, you, you have a defenseman there for a number of years that can, that can play in that middle, that middle pair, bottom pair, and be effective. And I think that's probably what they're looking for and, and why he had the ability to, you know, get that call up, number one, great for him, and, and then stick for a little bit as well. 
And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to jump around and say just a few guys, Dan. And uh, uh, but Phillips Adina seems to be coming into his own. Unfortunately, the kid can't catch a break. You know, injures his leg last year, his ankle, and then the season is 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 um, you know suspended. Uh, uh, this year he's starting off pretty well. Now he's on the COVID list, but uh, Zadina looks like he's starting to mature into the player. I think that Detroit hoped he would be. No, exactly. Especially for a, for a first round or high pick, you want to make sure. And that, here's the thing, though, with that injury, with that time off, you know, it looks like because of his start, he did the right things. And then that's what you want to see. You want to see a, a young guy who's who's taking taking it personal on his development side of things, doing things the right way, getting himself as healthy as he possibly can so that he gives himself the best opportunity to be the best player in the, in the NHL for Detroit that he can be. And it looks at his start that he's done that. It looks like he's moving well. Uh, he's got an unbelievable shot. We've talked about that before. So hopefully he can progress that, stay healthy, and, and when he gets back off that list and gets back playing again to, to help the Red Wings out. Uh, yeah, a guy that's uh, near and dear to my heart, as I like to say, he's one of our prospect bloggers, has been for the last couple of years, uh, uh, Joe Valeno, who is now in Sweden, obviously tabbed to be a center, uh, seems to have finally, uh, you know, last year, a little bit of growing pains. He was a 19-year-old playing in the AHL, uh, but learning the center position, uh, doing pretty well uh, for Modo uh, out in Sweden. Uh, what can you tell us about Joe? Well, Joe's a real good skater. Uh, you know, again, another guy that can get up and down the ice. Uh, I think we also saw how, how smart he can be in that center position. And, you know, Joe just has to make sure he learns that pro game. I think there's, a, there's expectations when you're 19 and 20 and, and uh, you know, you're one of the top dogs on your junior team, your, your college team, and all of a sudden you're a piece. You're a part to the puzzle. You're not the man. And, and some kids have a little transition period. Maybe Joe had that. I don't know. I wasn't with him every single day. Um, but I know that his game grew from day one all the way through the end of the season when it got shut down. And now moving over to Sweden, he's not missing any of that development time. So he's playing on big ice, which is going to allow him to, to use his legs. Uh, you know, it's a smart league over there. So he's going to have to make sure he is smart and supporting the puck all over the place like a center should. It's going to help him win more face-offs and understand that side of it. So just those experiences, he's going to come back a better player. You know, finally, I, I wanted to ask you, I'm not going to ask you about the 2020 uh, uh, draft picks, uh, uh, but I, I do want to go to that uh, uh, 2019 draft where I guess everybody in Vancouver, there, when Steve announced uh, Moritz Sider, there was like a, <gasps> a gasp in, uh, <laughs> in Vancouver. I guess, I'm, you know, I say this and I don't mean it. I wasn't that surprised because he was always moving up. Each time they would assess the draft class, he was the guy that was significantly moving up each time they would assess it. But most Sider, even though I knew he was good, I think he has surprised everybody. Every level he goes at, he just excels at, Dan. That's that's fairly extraordinary. It is. It is. And if you, I mean, even this year, I've I've had the ability to watch some of his games and 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 see how he's doing over there. And and if you don't follow any any hockey on Twitter, or if you do follow any hockey on Twitter for that matter, you're going to see his physical, the way he plays. He's a physical player. He has no problem taking the body. He can be on a power play. He can play against teams' top lines. He is a top-tier ranked defenseman, and and I think they did a really, really good job of doing their homework and and evaluating, you know, how talented of a player he is. 
and uh, you know I think they've got a real, real good defenseman for years to come in Mo Sider, and and uh, it'll be nice to see him back in North America playing North American game. But uh, he's doing his thing over there in Sweden. He's looking really, really good. All right, uh, Dan. I mean, with. Uh uh, you know, things are looking up for the Red Wings. That means things are going to be looking up for Grand Rapids, and things are going to be looking up for Toledo. Although, Dan, except winning the uh, the Kelly Cup, of course, I don't know how much better it can be for you guys down there. I mean, you've put together a powerhouse. Yeah, we're enjoying it. You know, we're enjoying the ride. I think we found a recipe for success, at least what works here in Toledo, the type of team and, and people that we need uh, inside this locker room and we're going to continue to do that and until uh until it doesn't work anymore and we'll tinker with it again and and get it going again but uh very fortunate to have the job i have be associated with the people that are around myself and the staff and and the red wings the, the griffins how we're how we're treated here in toledo by them uh it's an unbelievable place to coach uh, there's no doubt about it well, it's also an unbelievable place to watch a hockey game. I do love going down to Toledo and being a, a native uh, a Michiganian or Michigander, whichever you prefer. Uh, it's never fun going to Toledo, or I should say Ohio. Toledo's fun. Although, you know, I mean, they fought a war. Michigan and Oh, I almost won a war for Toledo. That's uh, right. So, so, you know, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is every time I go to Toledo, I still think it's part of Michigan, even though we got the Upper Peninsula. So I guess, uh, um, you know, people from Michigan and Ohio wouldn't start killing each other over Toledo. Uh, that was the compromise. But, uh, uh, but anyway, Dan, it's always a pleasure having you on the Red and White Authority. I really appreciate your time. I wish you nothing but the best of uh, best of luck. Uh, you're one of my favorite people. Uh, you're an excellent coach. Your record speaks for itself. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing the walleye uh, very, very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Red and White Authority, Dan. All right. Th thanks, Art. Always a pleasure. Take care.